we're standing here in some of the worst places of devastation of the tornadoes that happened in the city of Nashville. Much of our city is devastated and destroyed. Many have lost their lives. Many more have lost their homes. And our city is shaken at the core. What we may never see in the news is that in 10 minutes a storm did what we think will take years to put back together. And as we stand on ground zero trying to figure out what to do, I need you to know that we have hope because of you. Our city and our church will never forget the day that Seacoast showed up in Nashville to allow us to be in the hands and feet of Jesus. Pastor Josh, thank you so much for your generosity. Quite honestly, we don't know what we would have done without it. So thank you. Thank you for responding so quickly. Thank you for throwing us a lifeline just when we need it. Thank you for being one of the first churches to make sure that our walk is louder than our talk. On your behalf, we are going into the city that we love. We're being the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we know that God's gonna turn what looks like a ghost town in a cities that can't be hidden. People are gonna come to Christ. People are gonna find freedom. People are gonna be changed forever because of your generosity. One thing I've figured out is we are truly, we're better together. You know, we're uh, in a series called Faith That Works, uh, studying the book of James. And I just wanna say thank you to all of you for being generous uh, in your giving so that we can be a church that responds quickly when stuff like that happens. And so we were able to send uh, about $10,000 right off the bat uh, the next day to some churches, two churches. One was Pastor JD, who has kind of become the epicenter. He's an ARC church plant. We talk about our church planting movement, and it's so cool to have churches that are connected all around the country so that when something happens, we can all work together to be the hands and feet of Christ. We also sent some money to Cross Point Church. Uh, Pastor Chris Surratt, who is my uncle, my dad's brother, used to be on our staff here at the Greenville campus, uh, as well as here in Mount Pleasant. Uh, he was on staff at Cross Point. His daughter was home alone right in the the, the center of the storm, and thank God their home was not taken out, but there were many homes right around them that were, and so they are involved as well. But thank you guys. What we do is, how that works, we have a, a disaster relief fund uh, through our legacy funds, and many of you have contributed to that over the years, and so we try to keep that funded so that we can respond as we need to, to whatever might happen around the, around the country. So if you wanna be a part of that, if you wanna give to this or to any other relief or disaster that would happen, you can text the word relief uh, 25, and it would send $25 to 32320. Uh, and if you guys just, if, I know we don't memorize phone numbers anymore, but if you can memorize 32320, that's pretty much what we send everything to. So if you need to connect, if you need to give, you can give that way. But if you send relief in any amount, uh, that'll go directly to that fund and we can continue to be the hands and feet of Christ. I found that in these storms, in these moments, there's no greater opportunity. People are receptive and when you show up, don't just say what you believe about God, but you show up and show it, uh, it makes a huge, huge impact. So again, thank you guys so much for your generosity. We're glad you guys are here. My name is Josh Surratt. I serve as the lead pastor here at Seacoast. If you're new to Seacoast, we are so glad that you guys are with us today. Also wanna welcome all of our campuses that are joining us or if you're joining us online, we're glad you guys are here as well. I wanna give a shout out to the North Charleston Dream Center. They are so awesome. They're always serving the community, finding different ways. This weekend, they did Cinderella Day, uh, where many of us uh, from all the campuses brought dresses in. And yeah, let's give it up for Cinderella Day. 
Some of you are clapping and you have no idea what you're clapping about, I'll tell you. Uh, we, we donate dresses, several hundred girls came yesterday and, and they were given dresses for prom, they were given shoes and, and all kinds of accessories for that. They were also given a devotional, they were prayed for and they were encouraged. And uh, man, they're just always finding different ways to serve the community in North Charleston and we love you guys, we're glad you're a part of our Seacoast family. Uh, before we jump into the message, I wanna address one more thing. I wanna address the health crisis that, that we're, of course, facing in all of our communities at all of our campuses. And, of course, I'm referring to the pollen outbreak that seems to have happened <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. Anybody else catching some of that? No, I, I do wanna address the coronavirus situation. Um, of course, if you've turned on the news, if you've read the news, you've seen reports on this. And there are people on all different sides of this with different opinions about it. Some of you are kinda like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, others of you have bought out all of the masks and all of the hand sanitizer, thank you very much. Um, but, but, but we do wanna address it. We gather large groups of people at all of our campuses and we are a multi-generational church. We have young and old, it seems like this virus is specifically uh, dangerous to those who are vulnerable uh, in the elderly or maybe immunocompromised, and we value uh, those of you that are here today that are in, in that season of life or in that situation, and so we wanna be wise. And so what I wanna encourage you with this is one, nobody's panicking, let's not panic. Uh, we, we are a people of faith, we are to be led by faith, that's our operating system, not fear. And a lot of times if you watch the news or if you get tied up in that, you can kinda get into this cycle of fear. Let's just not do that. God has given us not a spirit of fear, but a, a, a sound mind, discipline. Uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna have faith, not fear, but we're gonna be wise. And we, we wanna be wise in the way that we handle it. And so we've done several things. We talked last week and a little bit about this, but we've added uh, hand sanitizing stations throughout all of our campuses. Why are we doing that? Because it seems that the medical, medical experts are saying the best way to combat this disease is to to wash your hands, and so we're gonna give you every opportunity to do that uh, throughout the campuses, so please use that. If you're sick, uh, please uh, use our online platform. We're glad to have so many of you joining us via, via church online, and it's a great alternative if you can't be in church, and so we'd encourage you to do that. Um, and, and we're preparing behind the scenes some other things. One of the things that we're doing is prepared in the event that we weren't able to gather as a church, which I don't anticipate that happening, but if it did, we're making sure our online platform is able to handle the, the volume of people that would attend online and preparing services for children's and students and all of that. So we're working on some of that behind the scenes. One of the things that we're gonna do, it's partially because of the coronavirus, it's partially because it's an experiment that we've been planning for and thinking about anyways, is the worship guides that you got when you came in today. Uh, this will be the last weekend that you get those worship guides until Easter. We're gonna take a few weeks, couple of reasons. One, the, the virus uh, has been known to, to live on inanimate objects like that for up to nine days, so we thought, you know what, let's just uh, play it safe there and not be passing those out at the doors. We'll still have greeters to, to say hello to you and welcome you, but they won't be handing you anything. And we're moving all of that to a digital platform. I wanna show you how it works. So if you do have a phone with you today, I know a lot of times you put your phone away for church, I want you to pull it out and uh, open up your app store uh, on whatever platform that you use, if it's Google Play or uh, Apple, Apple App Store, and download the Seacoast app. If you do that right now, you'll be ahead of the, ahead of the curve next week. You'll be, you'll be uh, one of the early adapters. And when you do that, I've got it on the phone here, you'll see that the message from the week before is there. You've got recent messages, recent series. Um, you have, let me see here. I wanna show you a couple of different things here. There is a connect card. So if you hit connect on the Seacoast app, 
You can fill out a Connect card online. That Connect card is really important to us because it's the way we communicate, especially with people who are new. By the way, you'll also be able to text Connect to 320-320 as well, and that'll send you to the same place, but, but you can get it here on the app, and all of the things that you do on the Connect card, I'm at the Mount Pleasant campus, so I'll click that. We'll get your name, all your information, prayer requests, we take those seriously. We pray over those requests every Tuesday as a staff, and so we'll still have opportunity for you to do that. So everything you can do in person on that sheet of paper, you can do online as well. And then I'll pull back open the app, and let's see here. Uh, when you're watching, you've got church online. It's not up right now, but that's because we're still working out some of the functions. But all of the note sheets that you have, uh, next week that'll be online as well on your app. So you'll be able to follow along. You can fill them out, interact with them. You'll be able to send the note sheets to, your, to yourself, to your email address so you can file them. I know many of you have little three-ring notebooks that we have in the bookstores and you keep those note sheets. We will have some of those available for you to pick up at information centers at all of our campuses. But the rest of you, uh, the note sheets end up in your floorboard of your car or in the seat back in front of you. And part of why we wanna try this is because we know that there's a lot of waste that happens, both financially and then uh, with the paper. And so we're just gonna experiment for a few weeks and see how it works. Of course, you're welcome to bring your Bible uh, to church with you as well. We'd love to see that. Bring a notebook if you have that. And uh, we'll have different ways for you to connect through the sermon, but we're gonna experiment together. We never change anything at Seacoast. Uh, we only tweak things, and so it'll be a small tweak for a little bit, and we'll see how it works, and if it doesn't work, we'll go back to doing it the way we've always done it, and you know, it'll be great, we'll all be okay. Let's, let's jump into the message this weekend. How many of you have ever said something to somebody, and the moment that the words came out of your mouth, you knew you had made a huge mistake? It's like you're trying to grab them. Yeah, a lot of hands in the air for that one, right? It's like, hey, when's your due date? Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have seen. come on, you know, some of you have done that. I think I've done that before. And, and, and uh, maybe you're in a job interview and, and, and you're feeling like things are going really, really well and then you tell them that story about how you left your last job and you realize in that moment that was not the right thing to share in this moment. Or maybe you've been on a date and you've said something and you realize, oh, that, that joke didn't land. I know in my own marriage there have been several jokes I've tried and it was like, ooh, that was not... Uh, didn't land the way that, that intended. All of us have probably done that from time to time. Sometimes it's out of anger. We say something to a child and you can just see their spirit deflate in that moment. When I think about saying something that I immediately regret, I automatically go back in my head to Christmas Eve 2017. Uh, Christmas Eve 2017, uh, we were doing our Christmas Eve services. My job that weekend was to give the, the announcements, uh, to do the welcome and to announce basically one thing they asked me to do, which was to announce the series that was coming up next. The series that we were doing in January was called Shift. And um, we're never gonna do a series with that name again. <laughs> it's a terrible series. And uh, so I get up, and Christmas Eve, you know, it's, it's like Easter. You know, Easter's coming. I wanna encourage you guys to be thinking about who are you gonna invite to church. You guys have invited all of your friends who don't normally go to church. Grandma's here with you. Your kids are in the service with you. It's just an incredibly beautiful atmosphere. We light candles and sing Silent Night. It's just amazing. And so my wife and I came up, and my one job was to tell you about that series coming up. And I did tell you about that series coming up. I did it perfectly fine the first few services, but the big service... You know, the five o'clock service when everybody was there, I announced the series, but I, I announced it with all but one of the letters in that word. <clears throat> <laughs> you 
And in that moment, thankfully our video team was, was on the ball, they captured that moment. I'm not gonna show you the video, but they did, they did catch a screenshot of the moment that that happened. And, and I think we've got it on the screen for you. That's not a look that you want your wife to have on her face when you're talking. Not a look that you want. And so I immediately, I almost buried this whole church, 30 years of ministry, I almost ruined it all with one letter, not even a word, one letter that I missed. You know, because, because our words matter, don't they? Our words matter. You know, we're in a series called Faith That Works, and I love the book of James. We're studying the book of James, and I encourage you to be reading it, um, re- reading it outside of here, but it's so practical. I love that it talks about things like going through trials and, and getting wisdom for your life when you're facing complicated, difficult situations and, and, and not showing favoritism. And, and, and this week, we go to James chapter three, and he addresses the one part of our body that's loaded with potential to do so much good, but also loaded with the potential to do so much harm. And he takes 12 verses in James chapter three to talk about the tongue, the tongue, the words that we speak. Look at uh, James three, verses one and two. It says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes. See, my story I just told you is an example of why you should not want to be a preacher. When you have this microphone, you can make mistakes and everybody knows about it. Uh, and so he says, don't, don't aspire to that. But look, look what he says. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. What a powerful statement. If we could learn how to control our tongues, ultimately, we would control everything about our lives. How do we do that? Well, he jumps into giving us some facts about the tongue. And, and I wanna talk about some of his. Before we do it, though, I did a little, little research, did some internet uh, reading, so it has to be true. Some random facts for you about the tongue that you may or may not have known. Did you know that, on average, women have smaller tongues than men do? Am I the only one who was a little surprised by that? <laughs> but check this out. On average, word count for a day, I don't know how they got this, but women at, come in at 16,215 words, and men come in at 15,669 words. And so the women are more efficient uh, with their tongues than we are. And so congratulations to you guys. It's another area of life that you're more efficient than we are. Uh, did, did you know that sticking your tongue out at people, pretty rude, right? Like if I were to do that to you, that's, that's rude in most cultures. But if you live in Tibet, sticking your tongue out at each other is actually a, a way of greeting each other in Tibet. And so I thought for our greet times that we have at the beginning of service, we're trying to eliminate the virus, we're not gonna shake hands, we're just gonna, <laughs> good to see you. Just stick our tongues out at each other, see how that works. Probably won't fly here, but in Tibet, it's, it's a, so if you're ever there, just know you can, uh, you can greet people in that way. This is interesting. The blue whale, did you know that the blue whale's tongue is bigger than an average adult elephant? The blue whale's tongue weighs 8,000 pounds. It's massive. Can you imagine the trouble the blue whale gets into in the ocean? And, and, and listen, the decibel levels, the sounds that a blue whale makes, 188 decibels. Like, to put that in perspective, we run sound here at the church at about 90 decibels. 
So they're running at twice as high. Can you imagine the comment cards that the blue whales get uh, from the people that, that turn them in? You wonder why we're really getting away from the outline? That's, I'm just kidding, no it's not. We, we, we value the input, we're continuing to work on it. But blue whale, I imagine the dolphins get offended, I imagine the sharks get offended, huge. And so, so, so some random facts about the tongues. Let me talk to you about some of the facts that, that James give, gives us about the tongue. The first one is this. The tongue is small, but disproportionately powerful. It's small, but it's disproportionately powerful. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Have you ever thought about that? The tongue, the words that we say, have the power to bring life to people, to a situation, to your atmosphere at work, have the power to bring death to people, to, to, to tear people down. It's, it's powerful. It's small, but it's disproportionately powerful. James gives us three metaphors about the tongue. The first one he, he shows us is that the tongue is a bit. It's a bit. Look at James 3.3. 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. You know, my daughter, Greta Kate, she's 10 now, but she loves to ride horses. And I think I got a picture of her when she was eight years old. She's riding this horse. At that point, she probably weighed 50 pounds, a small girl, and, and, and yet she's sitting on a probably 1,500-pound horse, and she can make that horse go wherever she wants to. How in the world does a 50-pound, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, however old she was at the time, I think I said eight, she's probably eight, how does an eight-year-old control a huge animal like that? She does it through a bit. Those of you that are kind of in the, the horse world, you, you get this, but I had some friends that, that let me borrow this. This is a bit. So what happens is you put this bit in the horse's mouth. I'm not gonna put it in my mouth because uh, who knows if the horse has been to China or not. I don't wanna get anything. So, <laughs> But you put it in the mouth and then somebody holds the reins here and when you have this bit in, in the horse's mouth, you just have to tug on the reins one way or another and you can, you can control the direction of this massive animal. And what James is saying is the tongue is the same way. Like if, if we learn to control our tongue, our tongue will ultimately, it's like a bit, it will, it, will, it will change the direction of our lives. You know, how many of you, if, well, you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but if, if you make a mistake with your tongue at your job, they don't just fire your tongue, they fire your whole body. So where your tongue goes, your whole body is gonna go too. And, and, and it's a powerful metaphor. Our tongues are loaded with power. Have you ever thought about that? How much power you have with the words that you say? You can literally change the atmosphere of your home, of your workplace, with your kids, with the power of your words. It, if you don't believe me, th think about this. If you were to say, hey, hey son, I know you messed up here, but I want you to know I love you right now in this moment as much as I ever have, and I'm not going anywhere. That changes the atmosphere. Hey girl, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful that you're my daughter. Babe, I know we've been married for a long time, but after all of these years, I still think it's the best choice I ever made. I love you, committed to you. Hey, you are doing a great job 
We've been watching you and we, we wanna give you a promotion. We wanna, we wanna give you more responsibility because we believe in you and what you stand for. So you can, you can change the atmosphere of a room with your words. And it works both ways, unfortunately. I hate you. I despise you. I wish you were never born. Why are you always screwing things up? I want a divorce. We don't need your services anymore. You're fired. You see how you can change the atmosphere of a room. Our words have power. And the reality is, all of us have used those words in a way that's brought death in some form or fashion. I know as a dad, the thought of the power of my words sometimes can be overwhelming. To think, man, I could say something that, that, that my, my children could be talking about for years and years to come or could be replaying. And it's, it's, it's scary to think how powerful our words can be. They're, they're like a bit in the, mouse, in the mouth of a horse. The second illustration that he shows us is the tongue is a rudder. It's a rudder. <clears throat> Verse four, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Have you ever seen the size of a rudder compared to a ship? It's pretty remarkable that that small piece on the back of a ship can ultimately determine the course of the ship. And we, we talk about that, like if you were to get on a, a boat here in Charleston and you're going to the Bahamas, uh, the pilot can, can set the, the ship in that direction, but if that rudder fails, if that rudder doesn't do what it's supposed to do, you'll never make it to the Bahamas. You'll end up somewhere completely different. So it's powerful, but the tongue is also directional. It will determine the direction of our life, the words that we speak. And I, I was painfully aware of this when I got a phone call on Wednesday this week from the Post and Courier. Anytime they call me, and they've been great, by the way, the, they did an article in today's paper just about the coronavirus, but when I see that number come on my phone, a sense of dread comes over my, my, my body, because I'm like, you know what, if I say the wrong thing and it ends up on a headline, I could derail my career. The direction of my life could go in a completely different way because of the words that I say. And, and so it's like, man, the same is true for all of us. And by the way, we, we should talk some about our, our thumb tongues as well, right? Uh, because these days, it's not just our mouth, but it's what we post. We've all heard stories of people who posted something to the internet and immediately lost their job or immediately lost their family because our words will ultimately determine the direction of our lives. They're powerful, they're a bit, they're, they're a, a rudder. The, the third illustration that he gives us is the tongue is a spark. The tongue is a spark. Buckle your seatbelts for this verse. He's, he, he doesn't pull any punches here. He says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Why don't you tell us what you really think, James? Let's, let's. He says, man, it's, it's a spark. Our tongues are, are aflame. What does he mean by that, by the way? Do you remember the story in the Bible where Peter, Jesus was talking, he was telling the disciples about how he was gonna die, he was gonna raise again in three days, and Peter was like, no, 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 Lord, it's not gonna happen. And Jesus looked at him and he said, get behind me, Satan. Well, what did that mean? Was, he, was Peter like being possessed by the devil? I, I don't think so. 
I think his tongue was being used for the kingdom of darkness instead of the kingdom of light. And the same thing can happen to all of us. It's either gonna be used for, for, for good, to bring life, or it's gonna be used to bring death. And that's what James is saying. Our tongue, there are times when we say things that come from, from hell itself because our tongue is being used to bring death. It's like a, a fire, like a, a spark. Uh, there's a place that I've, I've gone to in Colorado, a horse ranch, and ridden some horses. I went back in 2017. And we got there, and it was amazing because as you're driving up, there's a lot of beautiful, lush trees, but you get into this place where the, this ranch is, and it's, it almost looks like it's above the timber line. It's like it's been totally decimated by a fire. And so I asked the guys to tell me, what, what happened here? And they said, oh, this was the Haman fire of 2002. And what happened is there was a woman, uh, she, she, this was about 100 miles away from where I was, and she was going through a tough time, and she decided to light a match out in the woods, and she lit a letter that her ex-husband had written to her on fire. And so she lights this match, lights this letter on fire, and she throws it down into a fire pit, and she walks away. And it's amazing that this tiny little match that she lit, I'm gonna blow that out before it burns my fingers, ends up spreading hundreds of miles, 138,000 acres were burned. It's the biggest forest fire in Colorado's history. And here I was 15 years later, 100 miles away from where she was, and that flame that she lit was still doing damage. You could see we're still living in the damage of that flame. See, our tongues are like a spark. They're like a flame. And you know, there are many of us that are still living in the words that were spoken over us decades ago. We're still replaying soundtracks of sparks that were said by a teacher, coach, parent, friend, and we've never been able to fully move past it because the tongue is powerful and the tongue is a spark. So, so the first truth about the tongue is that it's small, but it's disproportionately powerful and it's a sobering truth. Second thing that James shows us is that the tongue is humanly untamable. The tongue is humanly untamable. Verses seven and eight. It says people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Well, that's not good news. It's powerful. <laughs> and he says, as long as it depends on us, you can't tame it. It's humanly untamable. That's why we get so frustrated with our tongue, right? We say, you know what, I know that I shouldn't say these things, I'm gonna try to do better, and yet we find ourselves constantly falling back into old habits or saying things that are hurtful when we really don't want to because on our own power, we don't have the ability to tame our tongue. It's small but disproportionately powerful. It's humanly untamable. And the third thing that he shows us is the tongue is twisted. The tongue is twisted. Verses nine through 12. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. That's something that probably every one of us who are in church this weekend will do by the end of the day. Like we've, we've worshiped with our tongues and yet in the same, the same mouth, the same tongue, we'll, we'll say something to cut somebody down or curse somebody. I pray that you don't do that, but most of us struggle with this. So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? 
Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. He's given us a hint there to what the, the solution is, but, but he's saying, hey, the tongue is, is twisted. It's gonna bless and it's gonna curse and it shouldn't be that way. An apple tree doesn't produce oranges, right? He uses a metaphor of their time. Says we all get this, but the tongue is different. The tongue is twisted. And guess what? That's the last thing that James says in this passage about the tongue. Thank you, James, let's respond. It sounds like great news. It's powerful, twisted, we can't tame it. What do we do then? Because I mean, we've all experienced the impact of our words or of somebody else's words over us. What do we do about it? I wanna take the last couple minutes that we have together to look at God's word at how we can learn to, to tame our tongue. Even though it's humanly poss- impossible, I believe with God, all things are possible. So what, what do we do? The first thing we do is own it. We've got to be willing to own it. What, what do I mean by that? I mean acknowledging that what James said is true that we don't have the ability within ourselves to fix our tongue. We just don't. And by owning it, what I'm saying is acknowledging that there have been times in my life that I've cut people down with my tongue, that I've hurt people with it, and just saying, you know what? I acknowledge that. I'm, I'm sorry for that. You know what the most powerful thing you can do with your tongue? Is confess your sin and ask the Lord to help you to come into your life. That's where it starts. That's where taming our tongue begins is is humility, saying, you know what, I get it wrong sometimes. Look at uh, Romans 3, 23 and 24. It says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There aren't any perfect people here. You know, if if, if you're looking for a perfect church, you you haven't found it, and if it was, you would have messed it up when you got here. Because we're all sinners, right? We've all got issues, we all fall short. Says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. So let's just own it together. We mess up. Maybe that means you need to apologize to somebody. Say, you know what, I'm sorry for what I said to you. I'm sorry for the words that I've spoken over you. Confess to God, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Would you forgive me of my sin? And he is so quick to forgive. He is faithful to forgive every single time. So we're gonna own it. Second thing we're gonna do is diagnose it. Diagnose it. It's one thing to say, you know what? I struggle here. But we can't stop there. We gotta get into what's going on beneath the surface. You remember Darren Patrick talked a few weeks ago, I think in James chapter one, he talked about how there are times we have to look into the mirror intently, stare at it for a while, to go, what's really going on here? Why am I saying the things that I'm saying? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? And if we will be brave enough to do that, what we'll find is that the next verse on your outline sheet is is almost always what's going on underneath the surface. Look at Matthew 12, 34. In fact, let's, let's read this out loud together. For whatever is in your heart, Actually, you know what, when we do read out loud, a lot of times we'll actually say the words out loud. Uh, I know we're worried about the tongue and all that stuff, but let's do it. You guys were fine, but I know that our Somerville campus did not do it that time, so let's, let's start over. Matthew 12, 34, we're gonna read it out loud. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever is in 
your heart determines what you say. See, if we're gonna diagnose it, we gotta realize that the stuff that comes out of our heart is coming from a deeper place. Did any of you have brothers and sisters growing up? Uh, just by show of hands. How many of you, your brothers and sisters were tattletales from time to time? Yeah, uh, all of you. That's, that's the nature of a brother and sister. So they just, so frustrating when they do it. You know why it's really frustrating? Because they're almost always telling the truth and it's annoying. It's like, why, why you gotta do that? Here's the deal. Your tongue will always tattletale on your heart. It will. Your tongue will always tattletale on your heart. You don't have a gossip problem with your tongue. Your heart has a gossip problem. Your tongue doesn't have a jealousy problem. It's, it's the heart that has a jealousy problem. You know, you don't just occasionally slip up and get angry and say hurtful things. Your, your tongue doesn't have an anger problem, but it's possible that your heart has an anger problem. And if I'm gonna diagnose it, if I'm gonna really get to the bottom of what's going on, if I'm gonna tame my tongue, I've got to be willing to diagnose what's really going on. How do you do that? How do you do that? Here's, here's a hint for you. It's almost impossible to diagnose yourself. Think about that medically speaking. Uh, for me, a few months ago, I started uh, having issues with vertigo. So I would lay down in my bed and, and all of a sudden the room would start to spin and then it would spin faster and faster and I'd have to get up and it was just it's awful. And so before I told anybody about it, I got on the internet and I Googled, why, is, why am I so dizzy and why is my head spinning? You know what I found out? I found out that I had a brain tumor, at least according to the internet. And so I'm talking to Lisa, I'm like, we should probably up the life insurance. I'm not gonna be around much longer. Let's go skydiving and mountain climbing and all that stuff. And, and she was like, Josh, no, you're just getting old. You're, you don't have a brain tumor. It's, it's, it's an issue with some crystals in your ear. Uh, you're getting old. And so I went to a physical therapist and he did this maneuver on me and turned my head in certain ways and it went away. Because you know what, I'm not very good at diagnosing myself. None of us are. So if we're gonna diagnose our problem with our tongue, it's gonna require help from other people. And I just wanna encourage you, for some of us, we need to get really serious about this. Maybe you need to see a counselor or a therapist. Say, Joshua, that's a sign of weakness. No, not seeing a counselor or therapist is a sign of weakness. Strong people actually look in the mirror long enough to go, you know what, I'm gonna figure out what's going on in my spirit. I'm gonna figure out why I'm reacting in these ways. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get some help from somebody who knows what they're talking about. That's why I love our small groups here at Seacoast. Some of us, it's just going to our small group and going, hey, would you help me diagnose what's going on here? Yeah, I keep responding in this way or, or that way and, and it's getting me in trouble. Do you see something that I don't see that you can help me with? And if you're not in a small group, by the way, we all need it. We all need a group of community. That's why Seacoast, really, I was just talking to somebody in the foyer between the last two services uh, and Andy was talking about, he just moved here a few months ago. He's in a small group, he's going through the Freedom Course and he's getting connected and you'll never fully experience the, the true, uh, what this church could offer you if you don't connect in the community because that's where you're gonna get help diagnosing what's going on and how I can grow through that. Maybe just asking your spouse or the people who are closest to you to, to help you figure out why we continue to make the same mistakes. So we're gonna, we're gonna own it, we're gonna humble ourselves and confess our sin we're gonna diagnose it, and the last thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna surrender it. We're gonna surrender it. Surrender what? Our tongue, which means our heart. I love this next verse on the outline sheet. Psalm 19, 14, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What if you prayed that every day? Can you imagine that? Waking up every morning and saying, God, I know maybe I, I surrendered my life to you a long time ago or I got saved a long time ago, but today, on this date, I'm gonna surrender myself again. Would the words of my mouth and what's going on in my heart bless your name? Would it be pleasing to you? Would it be life-giving to the people around me? I wanna live a life of surrender. Surrender is, is great and, and salvation is great and kind of recognizing that, that I, I, I mess up and I'm gonna trust Jesus for salvation and, and he's faithful to do that. But man, when you're really living for him, it's, it's a life of full surrender, full sacrifice, going, God, my mouth is your mouth. I wanna use it to build your kingdom and not to cut people down. I love Romans six thirteen, kind of lays it out. He says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, surrender. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. What an awesome picture that we can wake up every day as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. We're gonna own it, we're gonna diagnose it, and we're gonna surrender it. You know, when I think about surrendering our tongue for, for life and for encouragement to do the, the work of God. I always go back to thinking about Billy Hornsby. Billy Hornsby was an incredible man. He was a pastor here at Seacoast, one of our executive pastors. He was my dad's best friend. And uh, Billy and dad started the ARC together, the church planting movement that we talk about. It's now planted over 900 life-giving churches. And it's interesting to me that we talk about life-giving churches because Billy was a life-giving Man, he was always encouraging people. He would walk through our offices and didn't matter what kind of day you were having, he was gonna encourage you, he was gonna speak life to you. He would go visit, the, he loved to go to the small churches. He, he was great with the big churches, but he loved the small churches where he could talk to that pastor and say, hey, God's using you to do incredible things, you're doing a great job, don't give up. He was life-giving, he loved to encourage people. And I knew he did it for me, and I knew he did it for, for my family, but when Billy got cancer and, and faced the final few days of his life, it was amazing to see people come from all over the world because they just wanted to thank Billy for what he had done for them. So his, he's in a hospital room and there's a line of people out in the hallway waiting to get in just to say thank you to Billy. And they all came thinking that they were gonna encourage Billy and the opposite happened because he was a life giver with his tongue all the way till his last breath. And they would come in and they would you know, thank you and he would go, no, I wanna I want speak a blessing over you. And he would bless them, he would speak life over them. I wasn't able to make it during those final weeks but my dad was there and Billy said, hey, I wanna say something to Josh. And I have a video of Billy that I go back to often because in the, the last few moments of his life, Billy looked into that camera and he said, Josh, there are gonna be times in ministry that you don't think that you have what it takes. There are gonna be times that you wanna quit and get discouraged, but God is gonna use you to communicate the gospel to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Don't give up, I believe in you. You're, God, God is using you in a powerful way. I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to those words in moments where I was discouraged or I was tempted to quit. And that is the power of our words. They're powerful. We can use them to build people up or we can use them to tear people down. My prayer for us as a church is that we would be a life-giving church. You know what a life-giving church is made up of? 
a whole lot of people that are life-giving people, that use this incredible uh, instrument that God gave us of the tongue to speak and to breathe life into people. So what would that look like for you today? What would it look like for you to acknowledge uh, that, that, that you've blown it at times, but to go, you know what, God, I wanna surrender my tongue to you. I believe if James were here today, he'd say, you know what, the tongue is a powerful thing. It can bring death and it can bring life. Seacoast, let's use our tongue to bring life, to speak hope, to speak encouragement to the people around us. Would you guys pray with me as we close? God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this word about the tongue. God, this is something that we all struggle with from time to time. And so we just come before you, God, saying we wanna surrender to you again today. Lord, not just our tongues, but our hearts, our lives, all of us. Lord, that you would search us, that you would know us, that you would help us discover areas that may be broken or areas that may be wounded that need attention, that we could be a people who speak life, who give life to the people around us. Lord, I pray over everybody who's here today, anybody who has words that were spoken over them, that they've continued to live in the lies. And today, we just break those curses right now in Jesus' name. We declare that we will not live under those words that were spoken, those lies that were spoken over us, but we will live under the truth of your word and your heart that you have for us. Help us to be people who receive your truth in our lives and speak your truth in your life to the people around us. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name, amen, amen.